Welcome to Making Great Men Podcast. This is your host, Papa G. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Making Great Men. Hope you are doing well. Hope life is good for you. And if it's not, hang in there. It will get better. If there's one thing about life that is certain, it is change. Change happens. Uh, as a great text says, this too shall pass. Things come and go, and those include the bad times. So um, so hang in there. It will get better. It's so good to uh, be on this journey with you as we continue throughout Making Great Men episode po- uh, through this podcast. And, uh, you know, well, I've had some great feedback from the interview I did, the two-part series with Sarah. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, some great feedback from that. Honestly, people are stopping me in hallways, uh, at shops I've been stopped, uh, and just uh, had some encouraging words. So thank you so much for those encouraging words. And I want to thank Sarah again for coming on and sharing her story and her some incredible wisdom and insight in regards to masculinity, femininity, and, um, and much, much more. Uh, now, I'm going to try and remember the <laughs> funny... Um, a uh, nickname she she gave herself when she was a kid. I think it was uh, Cuddles, Puddles, Sarah, Singer, Joy, Bane. I think it was Cuddles, Puddles, and then a, one of her siblings added the words Muddles. <laughs> she's going to hate that I've said this today. <laughs> so she, I'll know if she's listened to the podcast because I'll probably get a uh, uh, an ear bashing. <laughs> but thank you so much, Sarah. I appreciate it. Now, today's episode actually is a bit of a special one. And as you know, the title of of this episode is What's Love Got to Do With It? Let me explain how this episode came about. A few weeks ago, I got a call from my brother. My brother is uh, 12 years younger than me, and uh, so I was 12 when he was born, and uh, we really didn't communicate that well because of the massive age difference until he was about 18 years old, which put me at that 30 uh, age mark, and um, I had I was married by then, and had I think it was three, possibly four kids. I can't remember how many I had by then, uh, and that's when we sort of started to communicate. And ever since then, we've built a great relationship. But he gave me a call just to let me know that he's been listening to the podcast. He was very encouraging in the phone call. He told me he's spreading the word. Thank you, brother, for doing that uh, to all his mates. Uh, and it was a lovely surprise to get that call from him. Very honouring. You know, it's um one thing to get encouragement from strangers, which is beautiful. And I thank you guys for that, for all the messages and being stopped and, and things like that. So I appreciate that. But it's a whole other thing to get it from family who hear you talk all of the time. So uh, so thank you, my brother. I really appreciate that. But during the course of this phone call, he asked me a question about how men show love. And he wanted some clarification. We had a great chat. We chatted for about, I don't know, about 45 minutes or so, back and forth. Uh, and then he suggested that I do an episode about love. And here we are. So thank you, uh, brother, for that suggestion. It was a great chat too, by the way. So this this episode comes from my chat with my brother about what has love got to do with it. And uh, so I thought I would do this episode um, by asking three questions and then answering them. And here are the questions. Number one, what is love? Number two, how do I speak the language? And number three, is it enough? Is love enough? So I want to answer those three. What is love? How do I speak the language? And is it enough? So let's start off with the first question. What is love? 
<laughs> okay. There are countless songs about love, many of us know. Some of you are probably thinking of your favourite song right now. Even the title of this uh, episode, which is What Has Love Got To Do With It? You're probably singing that song, What's Love Got To Do? All right, stop singing. Uh, but good old Tina Turner. Uh, but most speak about the one dimension of love or one side of love. You see, love is like a coin. It has two sides. There are two sides to love that we're going to be speaking about today. So what is love? Well, the two sides are there's the affection, feeling, romance, or the, let's call it the in love side. And the other side is the commitment or responsibility for another person side. Let's call that the commitment love. So there's the in love and commitment love. See, this commitment love, this is the love that the biblical text talks about when it quotes Jesus saying, no greater love has a man for his friend than to lay down his life for him. It's a commitment, a responsibility for. See, the English language is very one-dimensional compared to many of the ancient deeper languages. We say things like, we love kebabs, in the same breath that we say, we love our partner, in the same breath we say, we love sports. It's very dimensional. I'm pretty sure you love your partner differently and deeper than you love kebabs. And if it's the other way around, seek help. <laughs> but however, in for instance, in Greek, there are seven definitions to love, the different layers. The main four that are commonly used are these. Philia, which means friendly love. Storge, which is unconditional familial love, so love for your family in an unconditional way. Agape, which is a selfless, sacrificial love. And erios, where we get the word erotic, which means romantic and passionate love. And so what we'll do is we'll just stick with the two sides of the coin for today. But I, I wanted to give you those Greek definitions to show you the different depths of love, if you've never heard those before, and how they relate differently to the different relationships we have in our life. Uh, so just, just to show the comparison between the one word love and the multiple words in different languages. In the Hebrew, there's also different types of um, definitions for love similar to that of Greek. But we'll stick with the two. The love, the commitment love, and the in love. Let me let me start off by talking about the commitment love. Commitment love is made at some point in the relationship, traditionally at the wedding, to say I am making a commitment to you and taking a, respons a responsibility for you. Now, gentlemen, let me just pause here and say this: I know that we're talking about love, and some of you right now may be feeling very uncomfortable. Maybe you're in the car listening to this, have got it on your headphones as one of my friends does and rides to work and listens to it. Um, and you might be feeling a little uncomfortable thinking, why are we talking about love? Why are men talking about love? Let me tell you something, gentlemen. It is very important that we talk about love. We don't talk about it enough between men in a masculine, proper way. I'm trying to help you understand the difference. And this will help you in all areas of your relationships, with your children, with your partner, with your friends. This is a this is an important topic, and we don't talk about it often because, you know, it's about feelings. Well, let me just say something to you. Get over it. Feelings are a part of who you are. If you think you don't have feelings, then you're sorely mistaken, my friend. It means there's something that's happened to you, and you need to get that damn thing sorted out. Okay, so... We're talking about this, and I want you to stick with it all the way to the end because I want to teach you some things about love that will help you be a better man. Now, I've spoken before. I've said that the key ingredients to being a man 
is kindness, chivalry, and strength. This is part of the strength, having a strength of values and a strength of character and a strength of conviction. Make love part of your core values, commitment love and the in love. And so let's carry on with the commitment love. Like I said, it's taking responsibility for and making commitment to another person. It is this love, the commitment love, that carries you and your partner through the tough times of a relationship. For instance, when you're having money problems, when children get sick, when life gets horrible, when challenges come, and trust me, they will. And I'm not talking about those sort of challenges that come for one or two weeks. I'm talking about the ones that are prolonged for months and years. Those sort of challenges is what I'm talking about. You see, the inner love feelings that we have, they fade, and, and we need to work on them. And I'll speak about that in, in a moment. But it's not this type of love that carries you. As a matter of fact, during the tough times, it's the in love that takes a backseat to the commitment love. The commitment love takes lots of strength, deep values, and hard work to keep. Sometimes we fail. Gentlemen, I want you to hear this. Hear this. Sometimes we fail. I get that. Trust me when I say that I understand the feeling of a failed commitment love. It's not pretty. It's not nice. When it fails, it can hit you hard. Like a proverbial kick to the guts. You're winded. You don't know how to take it. No matter if one or both parties are at fault, it doesn't matter. The feeling is the same. If you've experienced what I'm talking about, you'll know what I mean. You'll know the depths of it. You'll know how difficult it is. If there's been, if there's been a massive break in trust in this commitment love uh, to the point that it, it can't be rectified, you'll know what I mean. But it is worth it. And let me just say this to you, if you've experienced this, if you haven't been able to move on from that failure, doesn't matter whose fault it was, then please, please go get help. Don't sit in it. It will only destroy you. Please go get help. So let me move on. When you understand that commitment love takes much effort, then you understand that this effort allows you to not give up when you want to. It allows you to learn to stay calm when you want to be angry. It allows you to work through it when you just want to run away. Commitment love stops you from just running with your emotions, which generally is not always the smartest thing to do, especially your initial emotions. Commitment love stops, gets you to think, realigns your thoughts, and you, and you respond rather than react. It is this love that when your partner says to you, gentlemen, this action or these words you say hurt me or upset me. That's when you look into yourself and seek to understand why they feel this way. What part are you playing and what do you need to do to change? <laughs> Let me say those things again. If your partner comes to you and says, hey, there are some things you're doing and some words you're saying that are really hurting me and upsetting me and here's why. And this is how it makes me feel. When they say those things, that's not when you say, no, I don't. That's not what I do. No, my friend, if she's saying to you, this is how it makes me feel, then what you're doing is making her, you can't tell her how she feels. You're not, don't be that arrogant. And if you do, you're starting to border on tyranny and narcissism. So this action makes me feel this way, she says to you. You've got to stop and say, okay, why? What, what did I do to make you feel this way? 
then you look at how what part you played. Can I have done something different? What do I need to do to change? Ask them, what do I need to do to change? You see, when there is a reciprocal giving between you and your partner, that's when commitment love is at its strongest. Let me say that again. Listen very carefully. When there is reciprocal giving between you and your partner, that's when commitment love is at its strongest. You find ways to change, they find ways to change. You show love, they show love. You assert, they actively listen. They assert, you actively listen. These are the things that happen when commitment love is at its strongest. But remember, I'll say it for the third time. When there is reciprocal giving between you and your partner, that's when commitment love is at its strongest. What does that mean? Well, reciprocal giving means that I give you 100% of myself and you give me 100% of myself. I make sure you're doing okay. You make sure I'm doing okay. I serve you in the best way I can. You serve me in the best way you can. I take care of your needs. You take care of my needs. The moment that turns into us, and I think Sarah put it really well last week, the moment, the last last episode, the moment we turn into selfishness instead of reciprocal giving, that's when the relationship is at a very, very rocky roads. So reciprocal giving, giving between you and your partner, that's when commitment love is at its, its strongest. So let me give you two keys that are the two main pillars to commitment love, and they are these, communication and conflict resolution. <laughs> Did you hear that? The two pillars of commitment love are these, communication and conflict resolution. How do we communicate, working out each other's styles, what works best, and how do we resolve conflict? If you suck at one or both of these, you need to go get a course. You need to get help. This is vital, gentlemen. This is vital. Communication and conflict resolution. I'm not talking about communicating and then having sex. That's not what I'm talking about. Because all that does is just cover up what the problem is. And by the way, that's going to end real soon because she's going to get jack of it. Communicate and resolve conflict. When we when we have a conflict, and it will happen, you know, I, I, you know, <laughs> let me just say something about that. What cracks me up when I've done thousands of, of uh, couples is when, when the couple say to me, oh, you know, we haven't had a fight yet. It's so good. We've been together for two years. We haven't had a fight yet. I'm like, oh, it going to get nasty. It going to get nasty for y'all. I'm not talking about a massive blow-up fight, but you are going to have a, a disagreement. And if you don't know how to resolve that conflict, it is going to be a super shock for you especially because you think everything's dandy and roses and your rose-colored glasses are so thick that when when there's one disagreement, you're going to go, oh, 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 what? You don't like my lasagna? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I'd prefer it with meat rather than – anyway, I'll let that go. Communication and conflict resolution, you, they're the two pillars. If you suck at them, you need to go get a course – Watch videos, ask for professional help. This is vital, gentlemen, vital. The moment you say, men, listen, the moment you say, well, this is just who I am. I'm not going to change. You have now turned down the road called Relationship Breakdown Boulevard. Remember that road, Relationship Breakdown Boulevard. When you say, well, this is just who I am. This is just who I am. I'm not going to change. She knows who I am. <laughs> Good luck with that, buddy. Good luck with that. 
Do not, gentlemen, do not, please, do not make this mistake. Stay soft in your heart. Being vulnerable to your committed partner is very important. Wanting to change to be the best version of yourself for them is extremely important. Them wanting to change to be the best version of themselves for you is extremely important. Remember what I said earlier, this is reciprocal giving. We are giving of ourselves and it's being reciprocated back and forward. When we stop wanting this, our commitment love starts to lose integrity. Like a building, right, whose foundations start eroding, you may not see the effects immediately, but trust me, you will, and by then it could be extremely long and hard road back, in some cases, impossible to fix. So do not turn around that turn around to that boulevard. And so so in answering the question, what is love? What is love? How do we how do we deal with love? I wanted to concentrate on the commitment love because we can, and especially sometimes women can do this, your partners can do this. Um, when the in love thing wanes, and it does, and I'm going to talk about that in my next question called How Do I Speak the Language? When that starts to fade and when it wanes, we can tend to think that, oh my goodness, you know, he doesn't love me or she doesn't love me anymore. No, no, no. That's the feelings of love. Love is a commitment and a responsibility, it's an action word. Love is an action word. The feelings are, are the wonderful part of it that we can work on. But the action word of love, the doing, the commitment and the responsibility for, that takes effort. That's a value that you put into your life, you put into your heart, and, and you strongly protect that. Communication, conflict resolution. Gentlemen, remember this. Get this into you. Don't just say, this is who I am, and turn down that dreaded relationship breakdown boulevard. So with that in mind, let's turn to the other type of love, from commitment love to in love feelings, which leads me to the second question, which is, how do I speak the language? (laughs) I'm glad you asked. Now, some of you may know and have heard about the five love languages. Now, my brother, I know you're hearing me. You're saying, oh man, five love languages. Everyone talks about the five love languages. It's just an excuse. I know what mine are. Bear with me, my brother. Bear with me. I'm getting to the things that you that you brought up in our discussion. I'm going to be saying them in a moment. So what are these five love languages? Okay, so where do they come from? If you haven't heard about this, Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book a little while ago about these languages of love that people use to express and receive love from their significant other. Now, he developed these from many years of counseling couples, lots and lots of couples. He noticed a trend. And if you remember in one of the earlier episodes, I said to you that I had sat and spoken with hundreds, if not over a thousand, maybe even several thousand people over 24 years of of dealing with people um, as a full-time job, actually. And I noticed trends. For instance, I noticed the four or five things that we need as humans. We all need love. We all need belonging. We all need meaning. We all need uh, security. We all need safety. We all need, uh, you know, so there's there's these needs, um, these needs that we have. And because I saw the trends, I saw the trends between men and women. I saw the trends of how men react. And, and in the same vein, Dr. Chapman saw these trends Uh, while he was counseling people. And so he started to notice that there are five main languages that people use in order to communicate love and receive love. And so the premise is that when we discover our love languages, we can learn to express them better and learn how our partner likes to receive love. That's the important part. Not just understanding ourselves, but for our partner to understand us and for us to understand our partner. And here they are. 
Here are the five love languages. You ready? Number one, words of affirmation or encouragement. Number two, quality time. Number three, physical touch or affection, not sex, affection. Number four, receiving gifts. Number five, acts of service. I'll say them again. Words of affirmation, quality time, affection, receiving gifts, acts of service. Now, some people like to add their own ones like intelligence and debating or food. (laughs) I, I sort of agree with the food one, to be honest. But they can all be put into one of the categories above. Um... I encourage you, by the way, if you've never done your five love languages, can I encourage you, just go to their website, just Google the five, number five, love languages test and do the free one that's on their page. The five love languages test and do the free one that's on their page. They ask about 30 or 40 questions and you'll get the love languages. You'll get all five, but the top two are the ones that you want to look for the most because they're the ones that you will express the most. Um, I know some people say, I express all five. Look, we can all function in all five, but the top two are the ones that you generally receive love with and, and show love with most of the time. Now, the reason why the five love languages have helped so many people, so many couples, is because we generally do not have the same top two love languages in partnerships as a couple. So finding out what your partner's love language is allows you to express love to them, the in-love feelings, the way that they can receive it, not the way you are showing it. (laughs) Did you catch that? Because the top two love languages are not the same, then what happens is you might be showing love in one way, but they don't receive it that way, so it's not registering. It's not filling their love tank, as the book says. And so so we, you know, we generally express love the way that we like to receive it. So let me give you an example. For instance, if your top love language is gifts, you like gifts, then your love tank is filled when someone loves when someone you love gives you a gift look and that can also mean this is why i tell people you've got to read the book because it doesn't just mean a physical gift and it doesn't have to be expensive it can be small it could be free gift it could be something that but it's the thought the thought of it that they were thinking or you were thinking of them it could even be unwrapping a surprise night out right so if your top if your top love language is gifts and and your love tank is filled with you know with when someone gives you a gift that you love you also show love by giving gifts to those you love because that's your top one. So here's what happens. This Here's how the wires get crossed. If your partner's love language is not gifts, but let's say it's words of affirmation, then giving them a gift won't hit the mark. You won't fill their love tank, okay, because it's words of affirmation. So what actually will happen is they will enjoy the card that you wrote more than the $250 gift you just gave them. <laughs> It reminds me of my children where you buy them an expensive Christmas gift and they play with the box for three hours and the gift is sitting over to the side when they were kids. Um, But in the same way, in the same way, if your partner's words of affirmation and you give them a gift, they might be appreciative of the gift. Maybe it's something that they wanted and they're appreciative of it, but the card is the thing that hits hits them deep in the heart. You get the point. You get what I'm saying. So gentlemen, I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you If you have not been working on this, you are highly likely missing the mark with your partner. Listen to me. I can guarantee you, if you have not been working on the love languages, you are missing the mark on the in-love part of your love with your partner. Your partner may be quality time and yours is affection. 
You keep touching her, holding her hand, kissing her, rubbing her neck, and telling her I'll give you foot massages, doing all this thing. And she's like, ew, ew, get away from me. Stop touching me. And you're getting all rejected. <coughs> she doesn't want me to touch her. <coughs> See, because what's happening is you're loving touching her because that's your love language, affection. So you feel all great about it. But to her, it's like, listen, just stop. But if you took her out to dinner and you talked to her about her day, about work, about her dreams, let her chat, you look into her eyes, watch her favorite TV show with her, laugh, ask questions, be interested. Boom! You've hit the mark, gentlemen. You've hit the mark. And then understand that if she knows your love languages, okay, then she will be doing your love language. Again, same example. If it's affection, she's now holding your hand. She's kissing you. She's rubbing your neck. Why? She wants to fill your love tank because you're filling her love tank. Come on. Guys, are you listening to me? This is why this is important. It's important because you're showing each other that you value one another. I value you so much that I want to know what your love language is and I'm going to read the book and I'm going to I'm going to understand it and I'm going to do those things even though they don't come natural to me. And this is this is the thing that happens uh, between partners is when your love languages are not the same, it means taking the effort to understand your partner's love language. So if her love language is quality time and yours is affection, as in your top ones, then you don't, and your quality time, let's say, is number five, it's zero percent, then it's hard for you to understand what to do during quality time. But you read, you understand, you become better at it, you practice, you ask her. So I know it's, I know your love language is quality time. What does that include? What do you like to do? She might say, I love that you can just sit at the bench with me while I'm cooking and we can just have a chat. I love that we watch a TV show together and we laugh at the program. I love that when we go out to dinner, you just ask me questions. Well, if you don't know how to ask questions, you know this thing called the internet? Yeah. Stop searching porn, you dropkick, and uh, your little man-child, and search up 20 questions I can ask my partner on a night out, and memorize five of them, and ask the questions, and listen to what she's saying, okay? There's a, there's a massive tip for you there, gentlemen, okay? Just, just do that. Now, when, you're, when your partner's love tank is filled and full, they know how much you care. They feel that connection. And gentlemen, this is where sex begins. Come on, ladies. Give me an amen. Come on. <laughs> this is where sex begins, gentlemen. Okay. There you go. You needed that. <laughs> It doesn't begin in the bedroom. It begins in the connection. Finding her love language is highly important. Now, you don't do that. You don't do that because you just want sex. I'm saying that is the uh, end result. That is, that's what will naturally happen because of the emotional connection that you've just had with your partner. So there's a great little tip for you. Understanding they're in love. You know, I was once asked this question by a gentleman. He said to me this, I go to work each day and I think about my wife and kids all day. I work hard for them because I love them. Isn't that enough? When I get home, I just want to relax and decompress. But my wife wants to talk and the kids want to run all over me and chat and what do I do? I just want to be left alone. <laughs> I nearly fell over with laughter actually when, when, when he was saying this to me. I sort of understand what he's saying, but I think he's so far off the mark, this poor fella. Um, but let me answer this in parts here. Let me answer it in parts. Uh, 
He says, is it enough? No, it's not enough that you're just thinking about your wife and kids. It's not enough that you work hard for them because you love them. It's not enough. You do that because that's the basic requirement of what it means to be a man. A man is a protector and a provider. And when I was talking about the, the episode of, of masculinity, go and look at that. You, we are called, we are designed to protect and provide. So provide. You don't need an applause because you provided for your family. That's our duty. That's what we do. That's, that's the joy of being a man. I don't need to be applauded. If my wife applauds me, fantastic. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. My kids appreciate it. Look, most of the time, your kids aren't going to appreciate anything until they get older and understand the value of hard work, okay? So don't expect it from a five-year-old and a 10-year-old. As a matter of fact, throughout most of their hormone-induced, um, riddled, bathed years of their teenagers from about 13 to through to 19, 18, um, they're going to probably not even care. They're going to take advantage of it. They're going to uh, be selfish about it. They're going to not understand it. And so you just keep correcting them. But what I'm saying is the point is, you're providing. Go and provide for your family. So well done for doing that. We don't want to whinge about it and make a big deal about it. We're just going to do it as men. So no, it's not enough that you, are, you know, you're thinking about your wife and kids. How do they know you're thinking about them? <laughs> unless you, unless you fill their love tank, unless you spend time with them, unless you do what they love to do. How would they know that you're thinking about them? Hey, I thought about you today. Yeah, you come back the next day. Hey, hey, I thought about you today. And then you just sit on the couch. You come back the next day. Hey, hey, I thought about you today. I just want you to know. Then you go play your PlayStation for four hours while she cooks dinner, gets the kids ready for bed, does the baths, all that sort of stuff. Hey, I thought about you today. How long do you think that's going to fly before she tells you what she's really thinking? <laughs> it doesn't work, my friend. So no, no, it's not enough. The next point he says is decompression. He said, I just want to decompress when I get home. Now, look, this is a good point. I get it. But don't abuse that time. Yes, many people need to decompress when they get home. I get that. Work is hard. It's draining. It's tiring. But if you have a partner and kids, you can't just go home and sit on the couch for an hour. You need to work your decompression around them. For example, if you get home just before dinner time or kids rush hour time, say somewhere between four and seven, five and seven, whatever, then be prepared to take a hit. So that means you may need to find a way to decompress a little differently. Here are some ideas. Maybe you learn to decompress on your way home. Find a way. Listen to music, a podcast, watch a movie if you're on the train, not if you're in the car. Meditate, pray, um, do something before you get home. Many years ago, for, for about 15 years or 18 years, my, my drive from work to home was only about 12 to 15 minutes. It wasn't enough for me to decompress. So what I used to do was I used to drive for another 10 minutes. So it gave me 25 minutes in total. And I decompressed by listening to music in the car. And I knew that once I got home, it was on. I was home. The wife needed help. The children need to be, uh, while they're growing up, they needed to be bathed and fed and clothed. And I spent time with them. And so I realized that my decompression mode uh, needed to happen before I got home. Now, for some of you, you can't decompress on your way home because of the environment you're in or it's the traffic is too stressful or whatever. And so what you need to do is sit with your partner and work out a way you can decompress when you get home. Maybe it's 10, 15, 20 minutes. Maybe it's half an hour that you both agree that when you get home, you say, hi, 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 kiss, kiss, hug, hug. And you go and go to your room, go have a shower, decompress, 
uh, read something, watch something 20 minutes, have a power nap for 15, 20 minutes, get up, bang, you're ready to go. And if you and your partner can come to an agreement on that, that's powerful because you've decompressed and now you've moved on. Then you can take over. But decompression doesn't mean going to game for four hours or watching TV all night and f- uh, sitting on the couch like a fat slob while your partner does everything else. That's not decompression. That's taking advantage. Men, we're not about taking advantage. We're about leading our families, leading them, carrying the responsibility. Remember commitment, love. Remember masculinity. Remember strength of values. Remember kindness and chivalry. All of this comes into play. You have to communicate this decompression. Work out a strategy, problem solve together. Trust me, it will help you immensely. And finally, last question. <laughs> and, I, and I get this a lot actually from, from young people. Uh, Papa G, isn't love enough? <laughs> um, generally when they say that, they, they mean the in love, the feelings. And my resounding question is, no, it is not. No, it is not. Um, as a matter of fact, even commitment love can sometimes wane if there's no compatibility between you. That's a whole other episode. I'll get there. You'll know when you're not compatible because things just don't work out. The values are different. Um, interests are vastly different. You you do things different. You always there's always tension between you. There's always arguments. There's always um, you know things are going. And the longer you are together, the more these things these these basic basic values keep keep eroding each other. Okay, that's a whole other episode. But undoubtedly, in love feelings are never enough for a relationship. They're never enough. They're never going to be enough. Uh, They're important to show your feelings for your partner because they add dimension. They let them know that you care, that they're wanted, that they're special, that they're adored. You have to have them because all of us need that in our lives. So no, in love is not enough. But strong commitment love with a solid communication and conflict resolution can be enough. I'll say that again. The in love feelings are never enough for a relationship. But a strong commitment love with solid communication and conflict resolution is enough. It can be enough. This is the sort of love, as I mentioned and I have been saying multiple times, that stands the test of time and challenge. So those questions. (laughs) What is love? How do I speak the language? And is it enough? I think you've gauged over the last, say, about half an hour, you've, you've gauged what it means to love. I want you to listen to this podcast again. If, this, if some of this stuff is new, maybe it's triggered a thought in you about, you know what, yeah, my partner does this or my partner has said this thing to me. My partner has said, look, the way you do this, when you get home, I just need you to do X. When you say these things, I just need you to... Um, you know, to to please understand how it makes me feel. Please understand what it does for me. Um, anything in me, me, me. Listen, guys, guys. Here's a here's a tiny little tip for you. Here's a tiny little tip. When you put a seed into your partner, she incubates the seed, gives birth to it, gives you back a baby. Mm. Mm. So there is. A pattern that emerges that when you show love languages first to your partner, when you understand what her love language is and you show her those love languages, then unless there's severe mental illness involved here, and I'm not joking, unless there's severe mental illness and trauma, then when you show love languages to her, she will reciprocate 
and start to show your love languages to you. Now, unresolved trauma and severe mental illness is going to hinder this, and that's a whole other world I'm not qualified to talk about. You need to go get professional help for that. Unresolved trauma. Everyone has trauma. I'm talking about the unresolved stuff, and I'm talking about severe mental illness, personality disorders in particular. You need to go get help for those. But outside of those points, then, gentlemen, if you show, remember reciprocal giving, if you show an effort in understanding what your partner's love language is and you show her love using her love languages because that means you've they're not your love languages so you've studied them you've understood them you've started to work in them you've gotten examples for them ideas for them and you actually do them then she will reciprocate that reciprocate that back to you trust me on that there's i've seen that happen so many times it's almost like it's almost like automatic playbook it's incredible to see so gentlemen take the lead masculinity means taking the lead especially in this sort of area don't say to your partner because i'm sort of hearing in my head some guys saying well what about her why do i have to do all the work listen men don't do that men real men masculine men don't whinge like that if you're sounding like that what i just sounded like slap yourself in the face right now wherever you are just give yourself one heart slap and say grow up wake up to yourself you're a man I'm a man. I'm masculine. I take responsibility. I take responsibility. I am going to build this value in my life. I'm going to have the strength to build it and be this person for my partner. Men, it's not weak to show your feelings to your partner. It is who you are. If you suck at it, learn to do it better. Please don't use the excuse, it's not me. That's poor form, okay? A real man uses his strength to be better if your partner is giving you advice to change, do these four things. Listen, trust, learn, change. Say them. Listen, trust, learn, change. Say them with me. Listen, trust, learn, change. Listen to what she's saying. Trust that she knows what she's saying. Learn how to change it and, and start changing it. Listen, trust, learn, change. Listen, trust, learn, change. Okay? Now, Caveat to that, by the way, if your partner is being rude about it or nasty and being spiteful and being hurtful in what she's talking, there's something else going happening here. You need to go go see someone to work on this because something you need to seek professional help. Something's going on. If she's spiteful and nasty and 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 being hurtful in her words, something is happening. She's hurt. Uh, something underlying is happening. Something she doesn't like about herself. She needs help. So be patient and go find that out. Okay, but but. In the meantime, while all that's happening, let those love languages flow. Let those love languages flow. What is love? How do I speak the language? Is it enough? Commitment love in love. Go listen to this podcast again. Trust me, this will do you good for a very, very long time. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I really appreciate you uh, being on this journey with me. I love doing it with you. Remember, real men make their feelings known to their partners and real men know how to do it as best as anyone can. I believe in you. I know you can do it. Have a great rest of the week. I'll see you on the next episode.